It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Week six of This Week in the Big East for 2019. This is our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools inside the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Basketball Times contributor, Providence Journal writer, and author Kevin McNamara. We are four weeks away from an appearance on Broadway again for the Big East Tournament. And like the Phantom of the Opera or the Lion King or even Cats, it's looking more and more like Villanova's Cats are settling in for another long run in the spotlight. But threatening to steal a scene or two along the way would be Marquette. As understudies here, the Golden Eagles did manage to beat the Wildcat Kings last weekend, which was their first loss this season after 10 wins to open league play. So, Kevin, it was a rather unaccustomed start to Nova this season back in November, for sure, but the Cats are now getting and deserving some strong reviews once again, are they not? John, I guess people need to come to you for Broadway tips. That was outstanding. (laughs) But, yes, a Jay Wright's crew is certainly... Uh, prime time around Times Square for years and years every March with the Big East Tournament. Right. And, you know, th- I found it interesting last week, John, that the NCAA released their top 16 and Villanova didn't make the cut. Yeah, I was going to mention that a little later on, but I'm glad you brought it up because I, I thought Villanova got robbed. And I realize we might be a little bit biased here, but for the defending national champs and after watching them play again in person this week, i got to admit, that looks like a team that's ready for March. Yeah, and they, they had just seen them lose their first game at the buzzer on the road against a team that was in there. That's what I'm or saying. Or they'd be 11-0 and in the Big East. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is a team that has never gone. They've won two of the last three national titles. They've never started 10-0. and They're almost 11-0 and to start league play, and they didn't get a top four seed? Come on now. There's probably one person who's probably not crying about that. That'd be Jay Wright. Yes. Who, who, would, who, wouldn't, <laughs> want, who wouldn't want to coach a team that says, by the way, you guys are the defending champs, and... No one's looking at you. <laughs> That's where you want to be. Absolutely. That's exactly where you want to be. All right, well, Villanova and Marquette are still running 1-2 in the Big East standings with St. John's and Seton Hall tied for third at 6-6 six and six entering play this weekend. Six games remaining for the most part for everybody in the regular season. Just two games separate third place from 10th place. It's been that way since the start. It's still that way now. It may very well be that the middle of the Big East doesn't really settle itself before we get to Madison Square Garden, so that should make for some other interesting games as we turn the corner and head for the stretch, will it not? Well, there's no question. How about this, John? With just six games less, everyone pretty much has six games remaining. Right. There's an awful lot of teams who haven't played anybody yet. For example, St. John's has yet to play Xavier. Providence has let, this, let to play Butler. Georgetown hasn't played DePaul. So it makes for some really interesting games down the stretch because normally these are you know back-to-back and you know we can flash back to a month ago. Well, now some of these games are really, really big for these bubble teams, and yet they haven't faced a team all season. So it's a really interesting dynamic. I realize that part of that is just because of the way the schedules have worked out and because you have an interesting mix in this league of teams that play in civic arenas as opposed to on-campus courts and arenas. There's a little bit of a mix there that uh, sometimes I'm sure is hard to get a match with. Mike Coyne, an assistant commissioner at the Big East, is responsible for the scheduling and going all the way back to uh, the Tom Ojakian days way back in the Big East. It's a very difficult matrix that you have to fill in. Uh, So I understand how 
You know, I know Kevin Willard has had some critiques about the scheduling this year. Everyone does. It's it's an, a time honored tradition in the Big East. It's a difficult uh, thing to check. I think you probably have not earned your stripes unless you get hammered for the schedule, right? It's the way of the world. <laughs> you know? Hey, everyone has to earn their check, right, John? Yeah, there's no question. Everybody's got to earn it. All right. In the headlines this week, there may be something to playing at home down the stretch, but that home court advantage is only a small one in the Big East so far this year. You want competitive? Home teams are only 34 and 26 after managing a 5 and 5 mark this past week. 45% of the conference games played thus far have been decided by 6 points or less or gone into overtime. Villanova took its first conference loss by a single point to Marquette last weekend and still rose one spot in this week's AP poll to 13th. They're also 13th in the coaches' poll. Marquette stayed solidly at number 10 in the nation in both AP and USA Today top 25 polls as they remain just one game back of the Wildcats in the league standings. As this week's play began, the Big East had eight teams, one more time, within the top 78 of the net ranking system, even if only one team, Marquette, managed to find itself in that NCAA top 16, as you mentioned, Kevin, the announcement that came last week in previewing last month's tournament. So, Kev, in the six seasons of the current 10-team Big East alignment, Villanova has run up a rather remarkable 48-4 and record at home. Why no love for the Wildcats in the National Eye? They continue to win at home, even if it seems like others are having trouble doing the same thing. Well, we, we touched on that a little bit, John, but how about this stat? Even better than 48-4 and four at home, which is amazing. In six seasons, this is six, the sixth season of the Big East reformatted, Villanova has lost 16 league games. That's nuts. 14 regular season, that's, two in the Big East that, tournament. That's nuts. And I realize the, the seedings are all about what are you doing for me now, but there has to be some background to get the team to the point where it's considered every year, like a Duke, like a Kentucky, like a Kansas. Those schools get put in every year, and their schedules are no more impressive. And when you have a league that is as balanced from top to bottom as the Big East, Villanova should be getting a little more love. Well, I think the, the easy answer to the question is people remember – the losses way back when to Michigan and Furman. Furman was also ranked in the top 25 for the early part of the year. Oh, but how about this? Teams change. I mean, that's three months ago. Especially young teams, especially a team that lost four players to the NBA draft. Basically right. a brand new team for right. Jay Wright. No, no question. Uh, I, 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 the, there's a lot of things about the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee I don't like. When they say we, we consider the entire season, well, the first couple weeks of the season really should be taken with a grain of salt. No question. If you have questions, in fact, on your favorite team or any other team in the Big East, we're going to try to get you some answers. You can send it to us right here to use on the show. Hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag TWITBE. We call it TWITBE. Thanks to our Westwood One station for tuning in as always. And if you're catching us on Sirius XM, we welcome you aboard. And if you're on your commute, if you're working out of the gym, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, all of our podcast partners. And don't forget to leave us a review. Another Big East coach at the helm of his alma mater is in the thick of the battle in the Big East and will visit with one of the league's talented and tough guards who's getting used to drawing the other team's attention. We'll also get the viewpoint from a former Big East star who calls games on Westwood One to see what he thinks about the teams at the top and those fighting to get there. First, there are some high expectations everywhere for every team and every coach. But when you're a former star of the team you coach and your fans are oh so anxious to find those glory days again, how hard is it to stay on track to meet your goals without getting sidetracked? Chris Mullen shares his views for St. John's 
next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Big E Spotlight. The shake and bake move all the way to the hoop. Pons lays it up. They've done it. count. Chance for a three-point play. Shamari Pons goes into the lane, off the window. We've got four weeks to go before the regular season turns into the postseason in the Big East. And for St. John's to be where they expect to be, well, they'll need to rely on some grittiness, perhaps, to get there. And judging by the way they've battled recently, it appears the Red Storm are certainly moving in that direction. St. John's alum and head coach Chris Mullen joins us this week of the Big East. Chris, first of all, congrats on the latest win over Butler this week. It was a game that you had to kind of reach down and go and grab at the end of overtime. How does that kind of a game prepare your team for the stretch run? Yeah, we've had quite a few close games this year, and uh, we've actually won a bunch of them. Uh, that, you know, that's where our experience shows up. Uh, and as you guys see, the, you know, after Marquette and Villanova, everyone's bunched up together, so it's really going to come down like you guys just mentioned the last month here, winning as many games as you can. Uh, each and every game, you know, everyone talks about must wins, but there's huge, huge implications on every game. And each and every game is coming down to one or two possessions. Even even Marquette and Villanova, they, they, they've got uh, better records than everyone else, but they've played their share of close games too. No question. Up and down the uh, Big East Conference this year. Uh, Chris, maybe the biggest game that uh... – the Red Storm have played in your tenure as the head coach is coming up on uh, this weekend with at MSG. I'm sure it'll be sold out. Uh, congrats on really strong crowds, by the way, at MSG this season. When Villanova comes to town, uh, what do you say? To you? Do you have to say anything to your players besides how to stop Eric Pascal and Phil Booth <laughs> in practice leading into a game like that? Yeah, it's really about game plan because we've heard that for I think since the first game of the season. Was every every game is the biggest game of the season. So. <laughs> Um, we do, we focus on each game one at a time, each practice, you know, we, we really work on our daily habits and, and, and focus on preparation. Yeah. So the defending national champions at Madison Square Garden sold out. Um, but then you got to go play. So all the, all the hoopla around the game and all those things. And, you know, whoever thinks it's the biggest game ever played in the history of basketball or not, uh, we understand what we have to do. We prepare accordingly and, and go out there and play. Well, see, John, that that's what a guy in the Hall of Fame can say because he's played in a few big games. But but one Chris, but Chris, even even a coach Connor Secker is going to be excited about that one. No question. Look, we always when I played, coach made you know he let us know you're going to perform on the biggest stage in the world. You better have good practice to rehearse. You know, he rehearsals everything. You know, he used to tell us, Coach Connor Secker would say, you know, a great piano player doesn't show up at Carnegie Hall without years and years and years of practice. So that's what it's all about. It's all about rehearsal. Uh, and that's why these kids are in college. They're still learning that. They're learning, you know, how to manage their time, how to be consistent uh, in all, everything, not just basketball and skill work and all those things, and even off the court making good decisions. So it doesn't always, you know, work out accordingly. Some days you have great practice and you play a bad game, and other days you have great practice and don't play a good game. But that's why you keep coming back and really emphasize uh, daily habits. 
Sure. Chris, you brought up an interesting point there, and I guess that uh, uh, after a while, when you hear all the time the next game is the biggest game on the schedule, at some point in time it just doesn't have credibility with the guys. How do you keep their attention uh, through trying to listen through all that noise? Well, again, you know, that, that's, that's a new dynamic, right, with social media. Everything is so important and, you know, whatever. And after a while, nothing becomes important. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's important. But, um, again, you get back to what's, what's the most important thing is practice, rehearsal, you know, working on your weaknesses uh, in practice and then playing to your strengths in the games. And, and what I let our guy, we only play 31 games. Mm-hmm. Why would you not each and every day look at that as a great opportunity to go show off all the hard work you put in. Because these guys do work hard. They work hard. They care about winning. You know, so with 31 nights, you get to prove it. And that's, uh, that's how I look at it. I mean, there's great opportunities for these kids. And look, great team in seven. They've done a really good job. I mean, we have to finish strong, but they've played well. I think all our guys have improved individually. And now uh, looking forward to these last uh, six, seven games. Chris, there's one wild card that, uh, you know, John and I appreciate about your team, and you certainly do, and maybe around the country people don't. Shamari didn't play in a couple games, and and Mustafa Heron didn't play against Providence. Uh, when you guys are full, you're as tough and out as anyone in the league. Uh, I, it's, it's not time to campaign for your team, but I'm sure you appreciate that more than anybody else. Yeah, I think anyone with uh, with uh, any basketball IQ would know, if, you know, especially in the college team, if you take one of the two best players out of the lineup, it's going to be a different game. Uh, but that's why we have a bench, but that's definitely a factor. Uh, when, and like you said, when we're whole and playing at our pace and, and, and playing de- good defenses down the open floor, I know we can play against anybody in the country. Can you give us an idea, Chris, of something that Shamari hasn't done particularly well that you've tried to work on with him to make him perhaps a better player at the next level once he gets there? Yeah, well, he's, he's really improved each and every year. And look, he's put together, you know, going on his third year now, probably, you know, three of the best years ever, or any St. John's player ever. And that's in all categories, you know, scoring, playmaking, uh, steals. He's been an incredible player. Uh, and, and look, you always want more. You always want to keep improving. So to me, you know, I always emphasize to, to Shamar from the first day he walked on campus was being sharp in everything he does. Because, you know, guys, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", whatever that is, at the next level, they're the most energetic, high energy, high pace, whether it be shoot-around, uh, practices, games. They set the tempo uh, for the team with their energy and attention to detail. And that's something that you have to learn that. You know, when you're, when you're one of the better players at the high school level, you probably don't get pushed as much. So uh, I'm always on him about that. Like, he's done a really good job. He's got some God-given instincts um, that you can't teach that will translate beautifully at the next level. And then just, uh, like I said, maintaining his sharpness, his uh, attention to detail, and his pace is what I always emphasize with Shamari. Chris, you played on some great teams in college and obviously in the pros with uh... – Hardaway and Mitch Richmond, uh, Mustafa Heron has to play alongside Shamari. That's not easy, oftentimes, to play next to it, such a ball-dominant, you know, talented point guard. How do you think Mustafa and, and Shamari have uh, meshed this season? Well, really well. Uh, they've actually been pretty familiar with each other. Uh, Mustafa played a lot of his AU basketball in New York, so they, they, they played against each other a lot. I think they played with each other quite a bit. Um, and it's funny, you know, I always bring up to those guys, offensively, you know, we want to create our energy with the pass, right? So the more scorers and the more talented players you have, the ball's got to move, you got to move your bodies, and then there's plenty of shots, uh, you know, to be had if you play at that pace, you know. It's important to do that. 
of course, comes into you know getting the ball back, rebounding, and, and getting out in the open floor. That always creates energy as well. But the pass is important. Shamari is a tremendous playmaker. Probably uh, one of the most underrated parts of his game is his passing. He's got great vision, mm-hmm. uh, but those things open up when he's playing with pace and, and everyone else's as well. So I think Mustafa's done really well playing off our other talented players. His three-point shooting is as high as it's ever been. Um, I think he's learned to play away from the ball, and, and still be very effective. Uh, he's a very talented uh, player, very fundamentally sound. Uh, he can hit the three. I like playing him off the elbows, and I, I like playing him in the post as well offensively. So he's got a, a full arsenal of uh, offensive weapons. That's what I think we like about your team the most, Coach, is that you know there's a lot of versatility, even though your rotation isn't all that big. We saw a couple of your younger guys trying to work into the mix last week when you played Providence. If you could wish for one thing for your team right now that they don't have enough of, what would you wish for them? Uh, probably energy, <laughs> just consistent energy. Uh, when we play with energy, we're tough, man. Yeah, so that's, that's the one thing that uh, when you play the way we do, that's got to be a given, and that, that's your advantage, and you have to take advantage of that uh, strength that we have with our, le- our athleticism, our length, and our speed and quickness. And if we don't, then other people's size and girth may show up. So it's important to each and every game, put your input in the game. Um, I always tell my guys from the this, from this start, as soon as you get going, you should have your, your uh, opponent look at you like, man, are you ever going to slow down? And the answer is no. We're going to run you to the ground to to your tongue sticking out, and we're going to keep on running. Chris, last one. Uh, I think probably the best coaching job in the league in the last couple of weeks was by yourself and your staff to come off the uh, difficult day at Duke and go into Marquette and beat uh, you know a really talented uh, Marquette team, seventy sixty nine at the buzzer. Did do you ha- what did you say to your team to turn things around so quickly? No, I give all the credit to the players. They they bounce back. Because like I, I've played long enough, and I've, I've watched uh, a lot of great coaches. Um, yeah, there's some nice speeches you can give, and you know you get back to fundamentals. You have some good practice. They got to go out there and play. They're the ones that have to go make the difference, right? So you can give some good, you know, past experiences, some some stories, and have a great practice. They got to go out there and perform, and they did. So I give them all the credit. So they, you know, we had a nice win at Creighton, the team we hadn't beaten there ever, and then like you said, we got blown out at Duke. The score was a little, to me, uh, not not as the game. It wound up being a thirty-four game. It was a close game, so we started turning the ball over. That's really that that game was strictly about live ball turnovers, and the whole gym turned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a simple thing to clean up. Uh, much like the Providence game that we just lost at the Garden, uh, the one before Butler, sixteen offensive rebounds on thirty-two missed shots. That's clear as day. If you you know if you give up that many offense, you're going to lose any game at any level. So you just be transparent. Um, but they're the ones that went out there and, and won. Like I, I got great respect for Wojo. I think his team's uh, lethal offensively, and I, all, all players went out there and played tremendous defense, and they won the game. So I uh, appreciate it. But I take no credit for that. St. John's Chris Mullen. Sometimes it's easy to forget he's not only a two-time Olympic gold medalist, he's also a two-time inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame, once for his own career and another for his membership of the 1992 U.S. Olympic Dream Team. Remember those guys? Who's got the hot hands right now? Well, that's coming up next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. 
Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's hot? Welcome back to This Week of the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Wanted to take a minute here to talk about a term you've probably already heard. One you'll continue to hear over the next, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks as we approach tournament time. The term is grind. Something the coaches do. Something the players work through. Something the fans do with their hands or their teeth, I suppose. Kevin, what does the term grind mean to you, especially this time of year? And is it a good thing? It hurts. It really hurts. (laughs) And I think we can substitute grind with living on the bubble, living on the edge. That's a good one. You know, right now I think there's two teams in the Big East in the field, NCAA tournament field, Marquette and Villanova. Everyone else is still jockeying. St. John's and probably Butler in that uh, mix. Seton Hall is knocking on the door. You know, maybe the best collection of non-league victories. You know, they beat Kentucky. They beat Maryland. Those are two very good teams that will certainly be in the field. You know, they have six games left, three home, three away. They probably have to go on the road and win a game. Creighton, St. John's at the Garden, Georgetown. Tough games. Right. That's the grind. All right, so the Big East Player of the Week this week, uh, no grind for Marcus Howard of Marquette. 38 points to lead Marquette to their win over first place Villanova uh, last weekend. Averaged 27.5 points in a one-in-one week for the Golden Eagles. He's been over 34 times in league play this year. He leads Big East scoring at better than 25 points per game. Big East Freshman of the Week, Mac McClung from Georgetown. It's the second time this year he's taken the honor. He averaged 17 points, five boards, and three and a half assists for the Hoyas in a one and one week last week. Had a game-high 21 in a loss at Butler. You know, McClung is a part of a trio, really, of young, talented freshmen that Patrick Ewing has, and the Georgetown team should make that team really hard to handle in a year or two. I think they'll be really hard to handle as soon as the Big East tournament because uh, th- that team gets better by the week. They're a tough out and will be very difficult to beat down the stretch. Kamar Baldwin, who's going to join us a little bit later on in the program, he had 18 points and four free throws in the final half a minute to win at Georgetown. Alpha Diallo from Providence, 16 points, 10.5 rebounds per game. He had a season high and career high 15 rebounds in Providence's win at the Garden against St. John's last weekend. Shamari Pond, speaking of St. John's, 28 points in a win at Mar- Marquette, 20 in the loss to the Friars. Miles Powell from Seton Hall, 13 of his team's final 15 points in their comeback win over Creighton. And then here's a name that we'll probably hear a lot from in the next couple of years. Sadiq Bay at Villanova. Freshman averaged 13.5 points and 5.5 rebounds for the Wildcats last week. Well, it is the 40th season of Big East basketball, the 37th consecutive year that the Big East men's basketball tournament presented by Jeep will be played in New York City March 13th through 16th at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. You could be there. Single-session tickets are on sale for this year. Go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for all of the information and to buy your tickets. Butler's Bulldogs have had some bite again this season and continue with their tradition of strong guard play, whether with pure shooters or just plain scorers. They have one this year that can do a little of both, and that means problems for the guys trying to guard him. Butler's cool and crafty Kamar Baldwin joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. 
It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University, be the difference. Big East Focus. Round a screen up on top, hand it off for Baldwin. Baldwin, up head of the circle, driving. High off the glass, shot is good. Wow. He threw that over Govans. Put Govans right on it. 14 now on the day for Kamar Baldwin. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. And long gone are the days where Butler can sneak up on the basketball big boys across the country and pull off a surprise. And now the Bulldogs are one of the big boys. And for the past several seasons, they've had to learn how to change a mindset from being hunters or from being hunters to then being hunted, I suppose. Junior guard Kamar Baldwin joins us this week in the Big East. And Kamar, when you were being recruited, what was it about the Butler program that made you decide this is where you wanted to play? Uh, you know, just all the tradition um, that uh, that has happened here at Butler. You know, obviously um, going to two uh, Final Fours back-to-back. You know, um, just being a basketball school, you know, uh, competitive, uh, you know, hardworking. You know, just playing basketball the right way. Kamar, uh, right away you were a factor in the Big East, and now you're a junior and seen as one of the big dogs in the entire conference uh, how have you adapted to being, you know, the number one guy on Butler's, uh, the opponents, when they play uh, Butler? Uh, yeah, so I just continue to, uh, you know, just play my style. Um, you know, when teams run two defenders, I mean, you know, just move the ball and make the right play. You know, uh, and just trust my teammates, you know, to knock down the open shot or, uh, you know, do what they do best with it. You've stayed remarkably consistent, average 15 a game last year, up to about 18 this year. Uh, how has your offensive game expanded uh, as a junior? I would say I'm able to uh, meet, uh, read the defense more. I'm able to make um, better reads, uh, pass the ball better than I would say I have been in uh, the last couple of years. Junior guard Kamara Baldwin joining us this week in the Big East. So, Kamara, what can you tell us about the grind? We've been talking a little bit about that, that, that uh, during the show here today that, you know, when you get to a certain point in the season, sometimes it just gets tough to put one foot in front of the other. Have you guys reached that point, do you think, and how do you guys work your way through it? I don't think we reached that point, but uh, you know, uh, just like you said, it's a long season, so uh, we just continue to you know encourage each other and bring high energy to practice, and um, you know that leads to the game. So it all starts in practice, and like you said, um, just with that energy, you know, we just keep our uh, focus up and uh, just have fun with one another. Kamara, there's been a remarkable number of close games in the Big East this year, and as I look at your schedule. Uh, you guys go even back to the non-conference season playing so many tight games. Uh, how has your team adjusted to, to those pressure-packed situations throughout the entire season? Uh, you know, obviously uh, having those close games in the um, non-conference season, you know, I feel like we're uh, poised when it comes down to those situations in conference. You know, um, it, just, it just comes down to execution, you know, who can execute and uh, get stops um, more times when you need them the most. Well, let's let's uh, give you a chance to do a little bit of a do-over in one of those close games that Kevin was talking about. You lost a tough one by four points in overtime to St. John. So if you had something to do over again in that game, what would you do? Uh, I would say uh, we just probably just limit our turnovers. Um, as a team, you know, uh, I want to say we had, we had a couple. I'm not sure how many. But, um, you know, just have, you know, maybe one or two possessions back. You know, just get a shot up. Uh, you know, offensive rebound. And, um, you know, just – 
get a few more stops here and there. Can you sense when something is about to happen on the floor? Being one of the you know the, the leaders on the floor, sometimes you kind of know how your guys are going to act and react to certain situations, correct? So can you sense when something may be happening, and can you take precautionary measures sometimes to keep it from happening? Yeah, you know, sometimes you can like you feel you feel the um, you feel how the game is going, so uh, you kind of get a sense of you know what's about to happen, you know what uh, play the team is about to run or something like that. And, you know, you just let um, the rest of your guys, your teammates, know uh, what you're feeling, like what play is coming, and you know that way you're able to um, make adjustments and um, get the stop when you need it. Kamar, the Big East is filled with players from all around the country. You're from Winder, Georgia, if that's how they say it, Winder. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about Winder, because to be honest with you, I have no idea where it is in Georgia. That's A. <laughs> so and, we need a geography lesson. Yeah, and, okay. and B, uh, where do you like to play best in the Big East? Uh, so Winder, I would say, so um, I'm about 20 to 25 minutes from the University of Georgia. Okay. So about an hour 15 northeast of Atlanta. Uh, geography-wise. Okay. And then uh, can you repeat the second question again? Yeah, where, where do you like to play in the Big East? Obviously, besides, uh, you know, historic Hinkle Fieldhouse. Oh, that's a tough question. You know, um, everywhere in the Big East is uh, fun to play. You know, obviously, Hinkle being the funnest out of all the uh, arenas. But, um, you know, I just enjoy uh, playing the game of basketball, you know, no matter where we are on the road. So, um, you know, just take it as a challenge, you know, and go uh, try and get a win on the road. Yeah, good attitude to have, I suppose. All right, so now let's talk about some of your teammates because you got an interesting, I think, sort of almost even eclectic mix of players. Uh, you got guys that have been brought up, you know, as you guys call it, with a Butler way. You got guys that have come in from other programs. So, what is it about your teammates that gives you guys that it factor this year? Because it seems like you have it being close. Sometimes you haven't gotten over the hump in some of these close games, as we've already talked about. But what do you feel like is the best attribute that your teammates have? Um, I would say they just have like a keep coming mindset, you know, um, through, uh, you know, highs and lows, we're not going to let, you know, one game, uh, bring us down or bring us too far up. So we just continue, uh, we just know that we have to continue to work hard every day and uh, just stay hungry and continue to, um, learn. The rest of the season, Butler has three home games, three road games. Uh, oddly, you have yet to play Providence, so you'll have to play them twice and you still have to go to Marquette and Villanova, the first and second t- place teams in the league. Uh, what do you think you need to do the rest of the way to to get back to uh, the big dance? Uh, you know, just continue, you know, play my um, style, you know, partners defense, and uh, just move the ball. Uh, what we've been doing here the last few games, you know, obviously we came up a little bit short the other night, but um, you know, just continue to trust in, uh, in one another and just have um, a good energy about us. All right, a couple of quick questions then about your teammates again. Who's the best shooter besides you? I'd have to give probably Sean McDermott, uh, Paul Jorgensen, and uh, Jordan Tucker. Those three would probably have to shoot it out for sure. So there's, uh, those, all three of those guys are like elite shooters. All right, so we'll give McDermott the slight nod there? Okay. All right, best defender besides you? Uh, Aaron Thompson. Okay, and best rebounder? Best rebounder? Uh... Probably have to go with uh, Sean McDermott again. Okay, now, now maybe the most important question. Uh, when you go on the road and, and co- <laughs> Coach Jordan takes you guys to the nice steakhouses or wherever you'd like to eat, who's the biggest eater? Yeah, on the best team? eater. 
I probably have to go with myself on that one. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I had Joey Brunk as, yeah, as the leading contender like a, because right? he's like two times the size of you, but I'm not surprised. You know, sometimes those little guys, they, they get it done, John. <laughs> Tell me you burn how many carbs a day? What do you think, Kamar? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many carbs I burn, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's quite a bit. So, uh, you know, I have to uh, carb up and uh, get a lot of calories in. All right. Final question for you then here. What's one thing that you look forward to the most about playing basketball in March? Uh, you know, um, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you just come in uh, with the mindset that um, you got to work. You know, nothing's given to you. So you just got to work and um, earn everything you get. One of the Big East's best in the backcourt. That's Butler's Kamar Baldwin. Time now for a little perspective on what this time of the season really means for these players, and who better to explain that than a guy who went through the same grind, fighting the same battles, and what does it take to get on a roll when you need it most? Former Providence Friar and current Westwood One analyst Austin Crozier joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. National Perspective. Stolen by Powell, ahead of the field, he jams with the right hand. Miles Powell with a steal and dunk, he has 31. Seton Hall leads by four. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East, and we've been talking about the grind this week, and we've got a guy with us who experienced it not only in this league 20-some years ago, hard to believe that, isn't it, but who also went through it in the NBA. Austin Crozier started at Providence in the late 90s. He made a great career for himself in the pros. Now he works in the media where he'll call this weekend's Providence Xavier game for Westwood One. He joins us this week in the Big East. Austin, let's start with that word, grind. What did it mean to you once upon a time, and what does it mean to you today? Well, I think, you know, it's obviously a long season, and these guys prepare so much in, in the summer getting ready, and it's kind of getting to that point in the season where you need to make your final push, either if you're at the top of your conference for seeding, getting ready for the conference tournament, or if you're outside the bubble, that last chance to try and get into it. Uh, I think that you'll see coaches that have been spending a lot of time, you know, on details and plays, just trying to motivate their team as much as possible down the stretch. Following up on the same front, you know, you think back to your days at Providence and the leading, you know, teams in the league are, you know, Villanova and Georgetown and St. John's. By the time you're a senior year, are you sick of seeing, you know, John Thompson and, you know, <laughs> you know, or whoever the other great forwards were in the league at the time? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I still have nightmares of trying to destroy a duck-in by Danny Abrams for Boston College. Uh, uh, there was a, another guy at Syracuse uh, that was the same, Otis 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 uh, Hill. Smith? Yes. Otis Hill, yes. Yep. And uh, just kind of those big guys with the low center of gravity that just played incredibly physically. Uh, you know, I think that my style of play probably would hear a little bit more to today's game where, you know, there's not as much foul calls. It's not quite as physical. Certainly, I, I feel that the, the Big East Conference has transferred some of that physical play that they had in the 80s and 90s to today more so than other conferences. But um, I like, from the standpoint, that the, the Big East Conference is really the only conference where you play everyone twice. You know, I think it becomes a little bit of a chess match. 
you know, I think for a team like Xavier who lost a close game, kind of gave it away to Providence uh, in Cincinnati. Now they have a chance at redemption here. And, you know, certainly um, playing the schedule that we did back then was was very grueling. You, you talk about Providence and Xavier, and I know you've probably seen your alma mater a couple of times as you get ready for you know the game this weekend. What are your thoughts from afar on how Ed Cooley is handling a pretty young and, and relatively well, – it's inexperienced, but it's also immature in a lot of basketball ways. There's talent there, but how do you feel like he's handling that load? Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, I think that Coach Cooley has done an amazing job um, throughout his time at Providence, and he's continued to do that this year. I think you can make an argument that this is – you know, one of the more talented teams that he's had, but also one of the more difficult coaching jobs that he's had. I think when you don't really have the, those senior pieces to kind of bring everything along and tie it all in, it becomes a little bit more difficult. When you have freshmen and sophomores that account for so much of what you are doing, you just kind of have to live with some of the ups and downs that you've seen. Um, I think, you know, at any level, guys, you know, whether it's, it's high school, college, the pros, I mean, even if you're playing two-on-two in the park, if you can't make perimeter jump shots, it becomes very difficult offensively. Mm-hmm. And we've just seen that with this team. And, and there's so many athletes and flashers and guys that get, can get to the rim, but when you can't knock down those shots, either teams play a zone or they play off of you defensively, and that negates some of the quickness that you have and the ability to get into the lane. And you just kind of see with this team – that everyone feels like they can they have self-confidence, right? And they feel right. like they could make the shot. They're the guy that can turn things around a little bit. And, you know, at times I'd like to see them look for the offense more out of the team setting, look to pound it inside. But, guys, it's just hard when you're not making shots. I think it's 28% from the three on the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, last pace and field goal percentage, three-point percentage, uh, it just makes it very difficult to win games when you're struggling that much. Yeah, I think the addition of A.J. Reeves, if he could get back to full health and be able to play 25 minutes a game down the stretch, would really help the Friars. Uh, Yeah, and it just seems like since he's come back from the injury, he's been a little bit tentative, um, you know, a little bit reliant on the jump shot. And I think I played for uh, Avery Johnson with uh, the Dallas Mavericks, and he had a saying, it didn't matter if you were Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Terry, whoever you were, if you missed two threes in a row, your next time you got the ball, you had to drive it to the paint. And that's something I think that this team could could use. Uh, I think, again, when you have that type of athleticism and you trust in your teammates, you trust in the system, you, you instead of beating your man into a contested two-point shot, or uh, excuse me, a, a contested shot with the help side comes across, now you draw that defender, make the extra pass to your teammate, and they get a better look. And I think that's, that's something that will come with this team, and I'm sure that Coach Cooley is continuing to oppress upon them. Uh, but there's so much talent, and it's going to be so much fun to watch this team next year and the year after. Um, but it's just a process that they're going through um, and, and a learning curve that they're struggling with at times and, and playing very well at times. So, Austin, we understand why you watch Providence, but I know you also watching Tennessee with a close eye this year. Uh, Rick Barnes was the coach who recruited you to Providence, and, boy, he, he has quite a wagon going on in Knoxville. No, he really does. You know, it's funny from a player's perspective. You know, um, you know, coaches probably. You know, Rick Barnes has probably coached hundreds of kids at all of his stops throughout his coaching. But players, you know, we really only have three, four, five coaches throughout in our entire career. So the impact that they have on their on our lives is much bigger than the other way around. And I mean, this is a guy that brought me from Santa Monica, California, to Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> you know, he showed me a couple of magic tricks. He told me I was going to get playing time. What were you cool thinking? Yeah. And he, he told me, oh, it's the 
cold's really not that bad. It's only a couple of months. And the guy <laughs> he <you> lied. Know, <laughs> he's had a huge impact on my life. So I continued to follow him um, as the guy that, you know, all kidding aside, um, brought me to an amazing school and, and provided uh, amazing opportunities. But I, I think it's fun, too, from the perspective every year, right? we got the mm-hmm. same teams. you got your Dukes, your North Carolinas. And this year you've got Tennessee that's just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, it, it's just It's just fun to watch a different team out there, uh, a coach like Rick Barnes who has this passion, and someone I think has really gotten a raw deal. He's kind of been categorized as a recruiter that can't coach. Yep. And that's just yep. so unfair. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. And just like Jay Wright was categorized as a coach that couldn't win the big game. Well, that's, that was so unfair at the time, and everyone knew it. So I'm happy to see Rick Barnes kind of get uh, this level of success. They've got a huge game coming up on Saturday against Kentucky, a team that's you know, very young, playing at a high level. Uh, they actually play each other twice in the last five games of the season, so we'll see um, how they kind of handle those two big tests late. Who's the best team you've seen this year, Austin? I mean, how do you not go against Duke? I think um, they're so young, but they're so talented, they're so athletic, and they put together the best 5, 10, 12-minute runs that I've seen all season long, by far, what they do on both ends of the floor. Um, I really like Virginia. Uh, I think, you know, being a 16 seed last year, losing in the first round for the first time ever, I think there's a lot of motivation for that team coming into the season. Um, and then the other team that always seems to fly under the radar this time of the year is Gonzaga. I think Mark Few does, again, a tremendous job. They had a three-point loss to Tennessee. Uh, they lost at North Carolina by 10. And then the problem is, is they go into their conference play where they are just expected to win every game, and they do. I don't think they get the credit that they deserve until they go on a, on a late run. It's almost like this time of year, the only time you talk about Gonzaga is if they're undefeated mm-hmm. and they have a chance to, to be the first undefeated team ever. Um, but those two teams are great as well. Um, it's, it's fun for me from the perspective it's not a foregone conclusion uh, that one of the traditional teams is going to win a championship, and I think it's shaping up to be a great championship conference championship season, and then into the tournament. That's Westwood One's Austin Crozier. In addition to Providence and Xavier Saturday, they'll also broadcast Villanova at St. John's on Sunday. Westwood One, that is. So check your local listings for the Westwood One radio affiliate near you. Who's got next? The big games on the schedule and where they'll be held next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's got next? Booth on the dribble on the right wing, raises up for a three. He's got it! Phil Booth delivers a monster three, and the Cats take a one-point lead! John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East, and let's jump into the schedule where it starts Saturday afternoon. Providence hosting Xavier DePaul playing at Butler, and then a doubleheader on Sunday. Villanova's at St. John's Seton Hall, plays at Creighton. What do you think? Well, as we've talked about earlier with Chris Mullen, probably the biggest game of the Chris Mullen era. At the Garden, 5 o'clock on a Sunday night, national TV, 
it's a big-time opportunity for the Red Storm. Sure is. Uh, Wild Wednesday this week. We'll have all 10 teams in play on the same night. How about that? Old School Nova at Georgetown, St. John's at Providence. Butler will get the chance to enhance its resume by playing at Marquette. And then uh, we got some survival contests, too, on the line. Xavier at Seton Hall, Creighton at DePaul. Pick your poison. I like the two teams that need to win, St. John's at Providence and Butler at Marquette. Really difficult games for both. St. John's lost to the Friars, need to avenge that. They will have, hopefully, Mustafa Heron, which they didn't have the first time around. And Butler at Marquette, kind of similar to the uh, situation with St. John's. If Butler can go into Milwaukee and win, I think they could be in the tournament. Yep, that could uh, stamp their ticket. Providence would need to probably sweep St. John's to have an opportunity to even crawl into the conversation. Yeah, Providence probably needs to win out. They have six games left uh, with only four wins. They probably need to get to ten. It's um, I think the Friars have dug themselves too big of a hole. Right, the Twitter question this week, hashtag T-W-I-T-B-E, comes from at 72 Sean McNamara. Any relation to you? No, but I have a cousin, Sean, but he's a hockey guy. Okay. Sean asks simply, what is wrong with the Friars? Well, we probably don't have enough time, but to, crystal- <laughs> but to crystallize the one or two things, you know, th- this is a guard-dominated sport, and Providence's guards right now are young and underperforming. Uh, not to put it on anyone specifically, but it's really hard to play with a freshman and a sophomore point guard. And both uh, David Duke and Makai Ashton Langford have struggled with uh, shooting issues and foul issues. David Duke is in foul trouble consistently, and I think Ed Cooley would love to have him on the court in the last few minutes of every game because the Friar offense has just really hit the skids too many times in the last couple of minutes. I think it leads directly to some of the problems that they've had shooting. David is such a unique talent at six foot five. He's long and he's very solid defensively, but David also has to learn that there are some things in the college game that you cannot get away with that you could on the AAU circuit. And I think he's still trying to learn that. And he also learns or needs to learn, at least in my opinion, is how to create more opportunities for, for, for his guys. I mean, the one thing that Providence has not done consistently at all this year is get into the teeth of a defense and dish out on the wing where the shooters can have uncontested jumpers. No, there's no question. A point guard's job is, is to create for somebody else, and when you don't have good shooters, you want to give them as much space as possible, and Providence doesn't drive and kick as well as uh, they need to. Nope, they don't. Don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East Hoop news, you can tune in each week live with Big East Shoot Around. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app, Shoot Around featuring coaches and player interviews from around the league every week. And you can also send in your questions and some hot takes via social media. And BE Shoot Around, the hashtag BE Shoot Around, is the one to follow, and you can be featured on the show. Our thanks this week to St. John's Chris Mullen, Butler's Kamar Baldwin, and Westwood One's Austin Crozier for joining us. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations at St. John's, at Butler, and also Fox Sports at Villanova for all of the sound and the help that they provide in giving us some of that sound that brings us all closer to the big games. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JR Broadcaster. He's at Kevin McNamara 33. Give us a follow. Questions, retweets, whatever you got, we'll take them on. We'll be back same time next week for this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, 
Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.